All right, traders, welcome back to Stock Market Movers. I hope that you guys didn't miss us too much while we were gone. We were in New York City getting, of course, all the great content that we got. We got a New York Stock Exchange tour. We also got, of course, some action from Adam Johnson, some action from Jay Woods. You guys have seen them right here on Stock Market Movers. We'll talk about their stock picks for 2023 in the outlook going forward. So don't miss that. That's going to be coming up later this week. But today's show, what do we got for you? We got, of course, the Fed talk that is on out there. We got some oil dipping out there. We'll talk about sterling and the currency concerns. Apple in the news, Amazon, Las Vegas Sands, and Winds Resorts making a move today. LI Auto, Lyft, Planet Fitness, and what is next for Europe and active and passive index funds. We got a great show. We got some good guests like always today. We got Ann Barry, founder and managing partner at Threadneedle Ventures, going to give you guys an interview that we just recorded just right before this show. But we're going to put that out at 1.15 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss that. And, of course, at 1.45, we got our next guest on. That's going to be Brian C., CFA and founding partner of the Capital Stewards. Don't miss that, especially if you're a new investor looking into your retirement. How should I approach this? These are questions that we'll be asking with Brian coming on up. And welcome to Stock Market Movers, where we get you all the headlines and, of course, get you to the expert opinions to keep you in the informational ads. Let's get it started. Welcome to the show. There are three ways to make a living in this business. Be first, be smarter, or cheat. I can't help you cheat, but I can give you the informational edge to help you succeed in the markets. Welcome to Stock Market Movers. All the market moving headlines and expert opinions every day. They say money is the oxygen of capitalism, and I want to breathe more than any man alive. All right, traders on out there. Let's get right into the market. Let's take a quick look into the spy action. I've been gone for a little while, so definitely didn't have the best days while I was gone there. As we can see, Wednesday going down, down, cracking that 382. Closing at that three eight uh, three seventy seven, so uh, definitely that day was already showing us some weakness on Wednesday. Followed through on Thursday and Friday. Now continuing the down action at least from the close. We had a three sixty eight close on the spy on Friday. Now we're at right there. We're at three sixty four sixty seven. What will we get down there today? And will we crack the three sixty two? 17 that of course we're looking at from the june lows did traders think we'd get down here some thought we would some thought we wouldn't i was definitely in the camp that we'd get back towards the lows of course because the amount of headwinds that we have above right i've talked about this countless times that at the end of the day i feel like the fed is just playing the game of extreme here let's just be honest they were extremely supportive in the pandemic time and that brought the markets up as I like to say, the printers were going burr. But now, what's going on? Well, Powell going towards the opposite end of the spectrum and really just knocking the market down. And this isn't intended, of course, towards the market, but towards inflation. And that's what has been said time and time out, that they're going to continue to fight down inflation until it shows signs that it's heading towards 2%. And it's not the smallest amount of turn. They're looking for a big amount of turn. And I think one of the things that we need to always keep in mind, Ned Davis's line, don't fight the Fed. And you shouldn't be fighting the Fed, right? You should be always keeping in mind what is going on with fiscal and monetary policy to determine your positioning in your long-term investments. So like always, investors, keep this in mind when we're thinking about the overall market. What is the current environment showing me? And when will this really flip? I think that too many people and investors were leaning towards the Fed just continuing to show quick signs of pivot when really there's no word or mention of the word pivot, really. The only thing that we can kind of point to is inflation slightly going down, but then we see it in the CPI data where we thought it would come down really quickly. It's going down slow and being stickier than most would prefer. 
So this is the thing that I would continue to watch. We did get some Fed comments today. So let's talk a little bit about the Fed talk that's out there. This came from Boston Federal Reserve President Susan Collin that said Monday she will need to see concrete evidence that inflation is slowing before easing up on interest rate increases. Returning to inflation to the target will require further tightening of monetary policy. There you guys see it. The focus word, right? What is fiscal policy doing? What is monetary policy doing? Collins said that in prepared remarks, it will be important to see clear and convincing signs that inflation is falling. I will continue to assess the range of incoming data in both quantitative and qualitative as inputs in my future policy determinations. Of course, they're going to keep on watching to see what's going on in inflation. They truly need to see it get down. Now, where is that level, that sweet spot? That's one question that I asked my guests coming up here at 115 and Barry. So stick around if you want to hear exactly what the answer is on the what and Barry thinks that inflation number is that we need to get through to really start seeing the Fed mention that word pivot. We'll see what happens there. Of course, there's other comments that are out there right now. You know, if you were kind of watching uh, CNBC, of course, they've been talking nothing about a Warrington professor, uh, Jeremy Siegel, and criticizing the Federal Reserve on Monday, saying that he was talking too tough on inflation. I actually think this is the opposite. I think this is a lot of these analysts trying to catch themselves as they were looking towards what? That the bottom was in and we were starting to come out of it. Of course, they're going to be upset at Jerome Powell because he's continuing the battle of inflation and mentioning questions like pain and going forward. What they see is that there's pretty much no chance, at least from what I'm seeing, of that soft bottom. And I think that that's what also you're seeing from uh, Wharton Professor uh, Jeremy Siegel is that at the end of the day, they're starting to admit it that the Fed is going to push us into recession. And they don't see anything otherwise, especially if they continue on this hawkish tone, that recession is incoming. Um, of course, there's no guarantee, but I think that's what they're starting to see. And like they say, once the writing's on the wall, are we just going to go fulfill this kind of uh, outlook? I mean, the recession is, is definitely on the hint. And I mean, if we get continuous growth outlook, you guys saw how the growth outlook turned for GDP. It's not looking great for the growth. And I think if we continue to contract, the jobs will come following. So keep your eyes on that job number to see how quickly we can go up in unemployment. All right, now let's go. Let's get out of the Fed talk. Let's talk about oil and oil stocks that are out there. As you're seeing XOM continuing the downside action and you know, you can take a look at Oxy, you can take a look at whatever kind of oil plays you want to be looking at. But this is really just showing us that those oil futures have continued to crack and there's kind of this stabilizing price that we're still trying to find in oil. Is that going to be down below the 80s as you're seeing it already crack through that? Or are we finally going to see kind of a bounce in the oil markets? This is one area that I can clearly say I have been wrong. I thought we would be closer towards 90 around here than the 70s. So it just shows me more and more how the recession concerns are taking control even in a place like the oil markets here and these oil stocks. So we'll see what happens with these stocks. Will they keep coming down with the oil uh, names? I mean, uh, oil price overall has just continued to fall off the tape. Oxy down there, uh, Chevron, if you take a look at this, it was looking good for a little while. We were looking like we were coming back. Now they're really falling off here. And we'll see if we can catch a dip or not. Of course, this is good and bad news, right? Because if we continue to get energy prices coming down, this is just going to help overall inflation come down, right? This is kind of what we're trying to create in the sense, right? We need that demand destruction to bring down the pricing that eventually we can find some stabilization in oil. That will definitely help inflation. And of course, keep your eyes on things like natural gas. What happens with natural gas? Will we take another boost on up? It's something to keep on watch. We definitely had a little bit of a bounce today in UNG, 
just keep it on watch because as these commodities go, of course, how this energy inflation goes, I feel how inflation will go in the long run. Of course, there's some stickier aspects to it like rent. Of course, this is something that you all need to keep on watch. And you'll hear a little bit more about this coming up in our interview. In just about three minutes, we'll get into that interview. All right, now let's keep going. Let's take a look at the sterling outlook. I mean, this is not what you want to see. Um, you know, in, in the long run, if you take a look at the EWU, and why am I looking at that? Because it's the United Kingdom Index Fund. And let's take a look at the iShares here as it's continued to come down. And what's going on in across the pond, right? I mean, we're having definitely some currency concerns on out there. As you're seeing the sterling definitely get hit. Um, last week's announcement by the new UK government really taking an effect and that they would implement tax cuts and invest incentives to boost growth. Now, the sterling fell to an all-time low of 1.038 on Monday. Last time it was this low it was in 1984. Seems kind of uh, similar, right, with the inflation that we're seeing it to be really close to that. And that in 1984, it got towards 1.16. Now we're really close to what could be, you know, parity incoming here for sterling. And I think you also keep in mind, I mean, the euro hit the lowest versus the dollar since 2002. There's a lot of currency concerns right now that we need to keep on watch as we're seeing Europe struggle here with, of course, the energy crisis and inflation just kind of continuing to push and the dollar overall continuing to push also. This is something to keep on watch. Let me take a look how the DXY is looking today. Um, I don't have it on this charting, so I have it on a different kind of charting here. Uh, but we're continuing that move, right? I mean, if you, if you take a look at it, overall, it's not having a bad day today. It's up about 0.89. And that's going to continue to what? drive equity, you know, stocks down, continue to affect kind of the currencies on out there and is going to hurt Europe because, of course, they buy a lot in dollars, right? As we continue to see this uh, com commodity and currency concern, watch out because that's going to continue driving us down. What could lead us into that next kind of bear market rally is when you see the dollar kind of take a little bit of a pause right now. It's still spiking. It got up towards 114.06, got up to a 114.14. Let's see if it holds the 114s and doesn't cut through 113. Once it cuts to that 113 or 112s, we'll see if the dollar can turn around. And I look at the DXY, uh, the US dollar index, if you guys are taking a look at that. All right, let's get out of that talk. I want to get into our first interview today. Like always, what I try to do here on Stock Market Movers is keep you guys in the informational edge. How do I do that? By getting to the expert opinions that keep you guys understanding what's going on in the markets. Where should I look? Of course, I can point to flags here and there, but there's nothing like the expert opinions. So let's get into our first interview today, which is going to be, of course, Ann Barry, founder and managing partner at Threadneedle Ventures. Let's hear what she had to say about the economy and where she sees Europe going next. All right, traders, let's go ahead. Let's get into our first interview today. We're going to go ahead and go towards Ann Barry here, founder and managing partner at Threadneedle Ventures. Let's get into our interview. All right, bringing on Ann Barry here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What a day to join. Definitely. It seems like it's been a tough market, but what do you think really has changed from last week's FOMC meeting and the reason why we keep just coming down? It's such a great question because when I look at what the Fed did and what the Fed said, there wasn't really any new news, right, Mitch? Because we, we knew that 75 basis points was coming. But what I do think has picked up is the noise around a global recession in really specific ways. So I'll give you an example. You can hear from my accent. I'm British. I spent a lot of time in recent months in the UK. The pound is tanking. Uh, the, the recession talk there has gotten louder and louder and louder. 
Europe's another place. There's a full-on energy war given what's going on between Russia and Ukraine with energy prices in Europe now 10 times what they were on average uh, over the last decade. And when you put that together, it means there's a global slowdown in consumer spending that's being anticipated, which I think the market didn't appreciate as much as they did until this moment. Yeah, you've had recent mentions of a 10 to 15% correction. Where does that really get us in the S&P 500 down to? And any new outlook on that correction? Well, that gets us down to about 3,200, Mitch. And, and there are others now. You know, I sort of made that call about a month ago now. And you've seen since then the likes of Goldman Sachs have issued reports saying, you know, we thought there might be the S&P at above 4,000. We're now at 3,600. So they're a little more positive than I am right now. But that's where I am. And I think looking at earnings in the next couple of weeks is going to be so critical because that will be the earliest indicator of whether I'm wrong and being too pessimistic or whether that really is the direction we're heading. Excellent. That definitely a question that I wanted to ask you. Are you concerned about the upcoming earnings season? I mean, we've had a lot of these pre-announcements coming, yeah. you know, trying to lower the bar, but did they set a bar low enough here? Or are you concerned about what's going to happen this earnings season? Well, one of the things I am concerned about is you saw a lot of companies, Mitch, stop giving guidance, right? If you think back to what Netflix was doing, if you think back to what some of the retailers were doing, they came out to the market and said, look, guys, here's some bad news. We're not hitting the projections we thought we were going to hit for this quarter or for this year. Here's even worse news. We've no idea what to direct you towards now because we're not going to give fresh guidance. What I do think is going to happen this quarter and for this set of new earnings is those companies that have declined to give the market some indication of where their business is going are going to have to come out now with concrete plans for how to cut costs, concrete plans of how they're focusing, and some guidance now because I think patience is running out for companies that don't provide them. And I think these businesses are going to err towards being conservative because they don't want to be in the position again of missing forecasts and estimates. And I think that conservatism is going to spook the market a little bit. Yeah. And I think, you know, what do you start thinking about with the market maybe pricing in and an outlook of global recession coming? I think we're getting there. I think we're still not quite there yet. I think there's still a little bit of hope that government interjection is going to create some relief. Um, I think once the penny drops, it's probably not coming. I think that there are going to be renewed waves of sell-offs, to be perfectly honest. I think it's going to be the end of the year before we things see things really settle down into what I call a more normalized environment, because it's still going to take a couple of months to see the impact of these Fed rate increases, to see relief in inflation, to see what wages in the labor market really are doing. So I think it's going to be a bumpy ride really until after Thanksgiving at this point. Well, I have to ask you, because you know definitely a lot more about the situation than we do across the pond here. Now, what do you feel about what's next in Europe? Um, I know that you've stated before that maybe the worst in Europe isn't really factored in right now. How do you feel that might impact the U.S. investments here? And also, what do you see next? What I mean by I don't think that the worst has been seen yet in Europe is the consumer in Europe is really going to feel the pain once they start seeing their energy bills coming in for winter. If we think about what's just happened, we're in September right now. We've seen energy prices spike because gas has literally been cut off from Russia to mainland Europe. But uh, European consumers are not yet turning up the central heating. They're not consuming yet the amount they are going to when it starts to get cold. And when people start seeing their electricity bills and their utility bills spiking the way I think they will, that's when they stop spending on Apple devices. That's when they stop spending as much on coming to the US uh, as tourists. That's when they stop spending as much on US fashion brands. And so what I'm concerned about is that you've got large export markets for fantastic US companies that haven't yet felt the pain, but I think are going to as we start exiting this year. Now, what do you feel it's going to really take in inflation levels to really start mm -hmm. seeing, you know, either the banks around or our bank, the Fed here, really yeah. start to pivot? I think it's going to take inflation coming in below 5% for us to start seeing nerves calm down because they're really frazzled at the moment. And I think most importantly, some of the stickiest parts of inflation are rent and their, their wages. And once we see rent increases slow down, once we see wage pressures start to be released, that I think is when we will see a bit of relief in the market that inflation finally is under control. We talk so much, Mitch, about what's going on in commodity prices here in the, in the US. Those are going to come and go over time, but it's those two sticky elements that I'm really looking at.
Definitely. Now, I did see you recently just pulling some apples out, right? Um, and I think it was <laughs> interesting to take a look at what maybe investors could be looking at, maybe finding an apple of their own or some safety out in the market. What are maybe some sectors or industries that investors should be watching? That's really interesting because apples, if you look back historically, have tended to be associated with temptation and not so much stability. But if we're looking for these safe havens, I can only speak to where I've been investing personally. So this is an investment advice, but it's just sort of an insight to how I've been trying to manage through this. I've been really focused on finding companies that have got high, relatively high dividends that are being paid out. And the reason I've been doing that, Mitch, is let's say you buy Johnson & Johnson or let's say you buy Walmart or let's say you buy one of the financials. In this market, the expectation is that the price is going to go down. But at least if you know that you're going to get some cash dividends over the next year or two, some of that cash at least will off offset some of that downside risk. And then I'm investing in businesses where I think long term there's still upside potential, where I think there's still a secular tailwind. So it's trying to find dividends on uh, companies that I think have got growth over time, where those dividends help to mitigate some of the downside in the immediate volatile term. Excellent. Now, the last question, I think, is an important one that, of course, we'll be watching as we get towards what will happen and should consumers be concerned about the holiday retail season coming up? Um, are, are we going to see a little bit of some demand destruction playing into the retail season? Well, you know what's really interesting? One thing I'm looking at, but I don't have the answer quite yet, is how much are consumers going to spend their holiday gift money on stuff, on things, and how much they actually going to go to their family and say, look, here's a weekend, here's a flight, right? Or here's a concert ticket, or here's an outing to the movies. Because I do think there's still huge pent up demand for experiences, for doing things IRL um, that hasn't been fully satisfied yet. And so I'm really looking not just at retail spending by the consumer, meaning going in stores or buying at Amazon. I'm looking at whether the consumer is spending period including their spend on experiences. So looking at both those buckets together, not just one or the other. Well, thank you for joining me today. Ann Barry, founder and managing partner at Threadneedle Ventures. We'll definitely have you back, Ann, and appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. There you guys have Ann Barry joining me. I recorded that just slightly before the show started, but I hope that you guys appreciated and taking the time to give us some insight into the markets. I thought one area that I really wanted to hear the question was, was when we asked about, of course, what level of inflation is probably needed to see that word pivot, right? I think this is going to be the focus word for the next kind of three months that you're going to be seeing the focus, right? As we get into especially December and January, the focus is going to be when will we finally hear that word pivot? When will we hear the Fed even hint towards a pivot? Of course, this is all going to be determined on a lot of inflation, right? It seems like they're not going to be focused on how far down does the market go, but how far down inflation really goes. So keep this on your uh, eyesight to go ahead and keep watch. What happens with that? Will we get kind of that flip? And of course, the word here that you're looking for is pivot. I think we're going to be hearing that word mentioned left and right. All right, let's get back into the market now. I want to bring in some comments that we're getting from Giles Coughlin. Of course, you guys know Giles. He comes on here often. He's a chief market analyst at HYCM, and he provided us with some comments for Benzinga here. Uh, so let's go ahead. Let's give you guys some of those comments. He's talking about, of course, he keeps close eye on the currency markets. He said that we must be close to a market bottom in GP, uh, GBP right? Uh, and Sterling with so much bad news priced in and the terminal rate having risen over 6% for 2023, up from 4.5% only last week. Giles Coughlin says, going forward, the most likely course of action is that the Bank of England can take is either hike rates between 50 to 100 basis points, alternatively using the FX reserves to boost the, the pound, the British pound, or tapping into the Federal Reserve uh, in the Euro and the Euro Central Bank swap lines. So it looks like what he's seeing is going to be happening is there's going to be some support coming in from the Bank of England, right? Keep this on your watch. There was even talks of maybe having an intermediately meeting from the Bank of England, but they pushed that back. They're saying that they're going to go ahead and just do their normal meeting. But keep on watch what happens 
out of the Bank of England. And, of course, we'll go to Giles Coughlin to keep on watch. If you guys have any questions, always throw it up in the chat or in the comment after. I can definitely reach out to Coughlin uh, to make sure that we understand what he's seeing in the market. All right, let's get out of that. I definitely always like to bring you comments, especially from analysts that we've had on in the past, especially when they're trying to keep us in the informational headline. Uh, let's go to Apple now. Let's take a look at what's going on in the market overall. Are we finding a bounce today? Looks like we're coming down and continuing to leak here. Now down to 363. We went down to as low as 363.03. Will we cut through the 362 today? Of course, let's continue going with the overall market talk. The first headline that I wanted to get into was Apple as they announced on Monday that they would manufacture their latest iPhone 14 in India. Um, so definitely keep your eyes on that as we're seeing Apple was pushing up in the intraday and then just pulled back right close towards the open. I have an opening price at 150.44. We're now we just bounced really close off of that level 150.40. We'll see if Apple is able to get back into the green as it was bouncing a little bit on this headline. It announced early that, you know, it's going to manufacture in India. And the big part of this is what? Moving some production away from China. I think this is a trend that you're going to continue to see with the battle that's going on right now in the chips. You got to keep watching to see what happens with these companies. Do they feel it's necessary to slowly but surely start pulling their manufacturing from China as they want support elsewhere, right? Well, you're seeing Apple choose India here. It's going to still be relatively cheaper than moving and manufacturing everything in the United States. But, of course, slowly pulling away from the grips that China has. I think this is what the U.S. government is either intending to happen or wants to happen here. As, of course, the battle continues in the chips. We saw what happened with NVIDIA mentioning that they are kind of being watched on their shipments and they need licensing and all these kind of aspects that are towards what? Taking away the strong uh, graphs that China has on the semiconductor. And I think that this is what you need to keep watch because as we continue to battle, what will happen? Well, technology is going to get more expensive. Of course, if it's manufactured elsewhere than China, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. But this will also help us in the long run not depend so much on China, right? And I think that this is actually a mentality that's starting to take over, not only here in the U.S., but globally. You're starting to see that globalization is slowly but surely being a move away from People are not trying to work with each other. They're trying to create everything in-house. And I think that this is an, uh, something that investors need to keep on watch to see the trends in technology and see what's leading moving forward, right? Um, we'll see what happens there. Apple announcing the, the manufacturer in India is definitely something to watch. Amazon, let's go to their news, right? Amazon will host a prime early access sale on October 11th to October 12th. The company announced on Monday, so keep this one on watch. Definitely getting a little bit of a bounce back today, but has been bleeding on out this Amazon chart. We'll see if it's able to hold on 100. Definitely in the green today, at least, so that's a good sign there in Amazon. And we'll see if their Prime Day could actually make a spike. Now, one thing that I noticed on Amazon that I noticed last week, and I talked about it, was that their Thursday night football actually had more people sign up for Prime then these prime early access days. So I don't know how successful these prime early access days are. But then again, maybe you guys out there can give me a little bit of insight. Let me know if you guys have seen these prime days really give you some great deals on Amazon. I know that they usually have some great deals on their own product, like let's say uh, an Alexa or something like that. But I haven't seen too much discounts on other products. Maybe that's just me as a consumer that doesn't use Amazon every prime day, but let me know what you guys have seen. All right, let's continue going. Let's get into another headline that caught my eye, which was lie autos headline. Let's talk about this as we've been seeing, of course, uh, some good jump here in some of the autos, especially the Chinese auto 
And a lot of this also coming on the extended of the tax break, right? And so I think this is definitely helping the kind of what's going on in China. They're extending the tax break here that's going to help sell more of these vehicles. But LI Auto coming in here and giving us some supply concerns that we should be paying attention to. Um, and what was the mention? Well, it said that it now expects to deliver 25,500 uh, vehicles in the third quarter, down from the previous outlook between 27,000 and 29,000 units. LI Auto said that the forecast cut was direct consequence of supply chain constraints, but said that demand remains robust. So keep that one on your radar. We'll see what happens if this is continuing to hold the lift. NIO is another one to keep on watch. Of course, these are getting some lift with that incentive mention. But when you're hearing supply chain concerns, what's going to end up happening probably in the long run is exactly this. It's showing us that they're not going to be able to meet their deliveries. And as we know, for EVs, that's usually one of the top things to watch, right? Are they being able to make as much as they're expecting so that they can go ahead and deliver on their guidance? All right, that's going to be enough for LI Auto. Let's go into what was hot and what was not today. So uh, this is my favorite uh, segment, what was hot and what was not. And so one of the things, of course, is today is one of those days where it's just tough, tough to find a stock that's having a great day. But we can always look for it. Let's get into what was hot and what was not. As we go into the sector and industry outlook, if we take a look at what is up on the day, it's really nothing. For a little while out the gates, we had a big boost in technology. Those names have come all crashing back down. The only one slightly in the green now is Apple. If you guys were watching live trading today, the first thing that I said while we were starting to wrap up the day was to continue watching stocks like Apple, Microsoft, Google, uh, Tesla, um, of course, what I was looking at was the SPY, right? Amazon, were these stocks going to stay into the green? If they stayed into the green, you don't have to worry probably about taking out those 362s. But as you can see, Microsoft went back into the red. Google went back into the red. Tesla's just slightly into the green. So Tesla and Apple, I feel like, are really holding this up. Also, Amazon up 1.43. You take a look at the, what we call the leadership a lot of the times, and that's going to give us a good outlook on how the overall market is holding up. And is it just a few stocks that are leading the rally, or is it the bigger stocks? Are the bigger stocks kind of leading the way? When I have the leadership leading the way and maybe everything else going against it, that can be a sign also. But in this case, you could see that the, the boost really came from a lot of these being in the green earlier in the day. And now you're seeing them slowly trickle into the red as you're seeing what? The spy trickle into the red. So even though you got that spike out the open, we're lower than the open and lower than the pre-market action. We, that's when we actually cut through that kind of 364.78. And we're down to 363 and in reach from that 362. We'll see what happens as it's been pretty um, pretty bad markets. I mean, real estate down 3.09% and really starting to get hit hard as you're seeing this kind of real estate trade just fall off the tape. I was waiting for so long for this ITB to really fall off. And I thought that, you know, this was a great kind of, it sounds bad, but I thought it was a shorting opportunity because at the end of the day, these stocks kept going up when everything in the housing industry is pointing towards what area right now? Well, it's pointing to the downside a lot of what we're seeing in the housing market as we're going to start seeing what more and more demand destruction. And I think that you're starting to see it in the stocks as they keep coming down. Another stock that I was going to watch is a stock like Lennar and you're seeing it starting to break down and break down. It could eventually come right back down towards these June lows. So keep these on watch as you're starting to see them really break down here toll brothers kind of a similar out aspect and a lot of these are normally your income players right your reits right that make the income so just be careful as you're seeing these come down fast you're probably going to be seeing some of the people get on out because they just don't want to take the hurt on the downside we'll see what happens there in some of these real estate names utilities also breaking a major major price point that i've been watching i've been looking at 
the utilities trade kind of in a channel for a very long time. We've had a couple of weeks where we've cut through quickly, but always quickly recover back towards the upside. Now you're seeing the utilities the last three weeks really start taking a downturn. Keep these on your watch. Got stocks like Duke Energy, right? They have really started to turn towards the downside. NEE, Next Era Energy, XEL. What's going to happen with these stocks? Are they going to catch a bounce in the channel and get right back up? Or has the trend broken and now the utilities are coming down? Because why? Because inflation rates, as they go higher, it makes it tougher for these utilities to make money. But we'll see what happens there as they have been still trending towards the upside. But now you're starting to see a lot of these trends start to break. Now, another area where I did see a little bit of some strength for a little while was solar today. I was watching ENPH. That was getting a little bit of a bounce. But it was very short-lived. So be careful with these solar names. It seems like they're just fighting to try to get back towards the upside. But of course, if a stock like First Solar kind of starts leading right back towards the downside, be careful because this stock has made huge leaps in the last kind of two months and could pull back a significant amount. Another stock that I was keeping a close eye was SEDG. Remember, guys, I played this one from around the 270s up there to two above 300s. Now look at what's happened in the last kind of, you know, what do we got here? A week, 11 days, seven bars. We're down 20%, 22%. Be careful on those solar trades and a lot of trades that are quickly, quickly rotating against you. You got to be careful and catch the rotation fast. All right, that's going to be doing it for what was hot and what was not. Of course, energy is still getting hit hard on the downside. And if that's continuing to fall, that's going to be a good outlook in the long run. Bad outlook for those oil stocks as you're seeing them continue to get hit. Uh, REITs are getting hit too. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to catch REITs when you know everything's going down. All right, if you guys have tickers you guys want to call out, don't fear Throw them in the chat. I'll try to make sure that I can catch them before I get on out. All right, let's take a look at some other stocks that are out there and some other headlines. We did see some stocks have a good day. What were those stocks? Well, it was a very few amount, but we can take a look at resorts and casinos not having a bad day there. A stock like MLCO getting some lift. Why are they getting lift? Well, the leaders like LVS getting a big push and win Resorts getting a big push up today. What happened in Las Vegas Sands? Well, a lot of this is due to Macau announcing its plan to allow tour groups of the mainland China as soon as November to get that lift. We'll see if these can continue to push. Of course, this could have just been kind of a momentary spike. But when really nice push, holding the VWAP, let's see if it can close towards the 68. And you're seeing a great day there for when as it was just down to 58 and having a nice swing here, about 14% in wind resorts in just overnight since Friday. All right, we'll continue to watch what happens in the gambling plays because it's not just only kind of draft uh, those plays that we're doing. DraftKings turning back towards the downside. I was taking a look to see if Penn could join in, but it seems like more of the stocks that have that pure Macau uh, is what's getting the lift today. And so if it doesn't have that aspect, it's probably not holding on as much. MGM wasn't looking too bad out the gates, but even that right back down below the open. So you just got to be careful out there in those names. All right. Um, ads, Google is better. Well, the big thing uh, there, um, and I think it's interesting to kind of point to, is what will happen to advertising players as you see companies like Netflix and Disney come in in their advertising uh, streaming services, right? They're going to take away some of those advertisement money from like, let's say, Google or Facebook and Meta, right? They're going to probably going to have some advertisers want to go and put it out on the new platform for advertisement on Netflix, right? A lot of people watching that going to probably line on up with subscribers we'll see what happens in the advertising game it's going to be fun to watch into 23 what can actually get some lift and who are going to be the winners in 23 as we keep pushing forward
All right, in just about two or three minutes, we're going to get into our next interview. We'll be getting into, of course, uh, we got at 145, we got Brian C., CFA, founding partner at Capital Stewards, as we talk about a conversation I think is important. You know, they do a lot of kind of financial outlook on retirement, and they also have a great podcast. So we'll talk a little bit about that coming on up with Brian, but definitely stay tuned if you want to hear a little bit more about if you're a new investor and how you should be approaching the retirement outlook. All right, let's keep going. Let's get into the next headlines. we got a couple of downgrades and upgrades to roll through. So I want to get into the first one, which is a downgrade on Lyft. And I'll tell you guys a little bit about my experience uh, with Lyft and Uber in New York, right? Well, it seems like at least in New York, uh, Lyft and Uber are still doing just as good, right? I mean, if I think about it, when I was in New York, there was still... You know, tons of people taking Ubers, tons of people taking Lyfts, and it was relatively expensive, right? I mean, it it isn't cheap to move around in New York City, but I wonder how this is affecting in more rural places, right? Are we seeing less Lyft and Uber drivers because of the cost of oil? But as the cost of oil comes down and inflation stays high, will we see a spike actually come back to these services as workers and like, you know, everybody that's struggling to kind of keep up with inflation, do we start to see some kind of consumers and going into Uber as employees trying to make up for some of that inflation that we see on out there? We'll see what happens. Lyft is going sideways here. Of course, this was a downgrade to neutral, lowering their price target to 16. But I mean, at some point, Lyft might be a buy. I mean, right, it's down there towards 13. We'll see if it can hold the support here closer towards that kind of 1250 area. And if Lyft or Uber can actually make a move up, a lot of these stocks just haven't been able to really kind of show some upside. Even though Uber made its way to 50, it's right back down there to 27, just right where it was kind of in the pandemic. We'll see what happens there in Uber and Lyft. All right, last one I'll just quickly roll through is Planet Fitness. Um, definitely uh, interesting upgrade here from Raymond James upgrading Planet Fitness to strong buy from market perform. The Wall Street firm said the company has a resilient recession resistant business with no interest rate risk and very little near term debt. So there's two things that I would point to here, not necessarily with Planet Fitness, but just how we should kind of maybe start looking around for investments, right? couple things noted here that I think are interesting. Recession, resistant business, no interest rate risk, and very near-term and um, very little near-term debt. Those are the kind of things that we want to be looking for when we're looking at companies right now. So if that's what the analyst at Raymond James has seen and Planet Fitness, it's something that I'll definitely keep a look on. But I don't know if Planet Fitness is really recession-proof. But at least it might be cheap enough with their kind of $10 membership, at least on their lower end. Maybe they're able to keep their uh, kind of subscribers through the recession. We'll see what happens there. Planet Fitness. All right. But getting out of Planet Fitness, it's time to get into our next interview. Like always, one thing is I try to go ahead and go through the market headlines But the next is getting to the expert opinions to keep you guys in the informational edge. So let's go towards our second interview today. All right, so let's go ahead. Let's bring on Brian C. here, CFA and founding partner at Capital Stewards. Welcome onto the show, Brian. Hey, Mitch, how are you? Welcome on. Let's go ahead. Let's get right into it. First thing I want to learn a little bit more about Capital Stewards. Tell us about what you do. Yeah, so we work with professionals um, that are looking for help managing their money. I think a lot of folks, um, they're really good at marketing. They're really good at being a physician. They're really good um, at running a business. And then they sort of get to the middle of their career and they find that they're really good at their day job, but they're not as good at figuring out what to do with their finances, despite maybe having a lot of education. And so Um, We apply our expertise on behalf of those folks and 
help folks make smart investment decisions, plan for retirement, but also for a bunch of stuff that happens in the middle, like life, like buying a house and vacations and all that kind of stuff you want to do before you retire. So um, we work with professionals uh, that look that need help for with investment management. That's us. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, there's just a lot of kind of misconceptions, a yeah. lot of noise that's put out there. Like one of them is being what is the case battle between, you know, actively managed mutual funds <laughs> and index peers? Give me a little bit of the insight here. Yeah. So what's actually interesting, uh, there was a report in Barron's over the weekend um, about active and, and passive uh, investment management. And, and as always, we go into the beginning of every year with market strategists and mutual fund companies saying, this is the year for active management and, and how our, our active stock pickers are going to perform. We've got hundreds of them sitting in a basement, looking at day and day, analyzing the markets. And yet again, this year, um, the vast majority of active managers have underperformed the indexes. And, and of course, people pay um, a lot in fees to, uh, you know, for that underperformance. And so our approach is in, in mature markets uh, like the U.S. stock market um, and, um, and other mature markets around the world uh, to use low cost index funds um, and, and to focus on asset allocation, which is kind of a big word, but that's it sort of industry speak for just the percentage of stocks that we buy in a portfolio, the percentage of bonds we buy in a portfolio, and then the percentage of other assets like um, real estate or infrastructure or some other types of things. Um, and that's really where, um, you know, you earn most of your investment returns. And that's where folks uh, can be successful long term, not trying to decide whether they want to buy uh, Planet Fitness stock or Coke or Pepsi or any of those, uh, any of those kinds of things. So it's definitely a battle. And I think, you know, one of the things is uh, it usually takes investors to see it with their own eyes. Right. And I think that's one of the things that it's definitely being stated there from the Barron's article. And I think that investors overall, sometimes it takes really just seeing it to really believe it. But it's definitely a battle that investors overall, especially if you're not in tune with the market, kind of face. So uh, now I do know that you have a podcast, the Six Figure Investor Podcast. That's and awesome. tell us a, a little bit about that. I do see you guys cover some interesting co uh, conversations like, is your family college ready? I saw that recent one. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the podcast. Yeah, so, so we cover um, financial topics that are important for professionals that are growing their careers um, and, uh, and trying to, to be successful um, at life. And so we talk about everything from investing and um, the right way to invest and how to think about long-term investment goals to insurance to, um, to college. We've, we've spent a lot of time in the last couple of months, uh, to your point, talking about college planning because it's the time of year if you've got kids that are um, that are, you know, maybe in middle school or early in high school, you're starting to think about college and what the right way to think about that is. How do you plan for it? How do you save for it? How do you pay for it? How do you navigate that whole process? And so um, anything that is relevant um, and interesting to professionals, that's the kind of stuff that we talk about on there. Um, and uh, and, and uh, I'll be happy for anybody to check that out. It's on, uh, it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and anywhere else that uh, you listen to podcasts. So... All right. So let's get into some kind of conversation about the overall market. And what do you see is really causing that inflation to kind of stay sticky here? Yeah. And when do you think that we'll finally see some kind of relief? Yeah. So the job market continues to be really strong. And, and at this point, that's really what's driving inflation. Earlier this year, we had a lot going on with Russia and Ukraine and energy prices and um, supply shocks that were left over from COVID. But now it's really all about jobs. Um, we've seen some companies start to announce layoffs. If you may have seen that in the last couple of months, uh, Snap, Amazon, Facebook, some of the other big tech names um, have announced either hiring freezes or layoffs lately. But um, we've got 11 million open jobs and we've got you know less than half of the available workers to fill those open jobs. So we've got to do a lot of um, sort of correction in the job market uh, to get the labor market back in balance. We have a long way to go to do that. It's going to take um, a long time. And so it's that's really what's driving um, CPI, that plus rent, maybe some other things. Um, it's, it's not sort of supply chain issues and things that were, were sort of impacting it earlier this year um, coming out of COVID. And so when you think about the market, um, it's, it's, you know, if, if you expect inflation to go higher and interest rates to go higher, um, that's really responsible for most of what we've seen happen in both the stock and the bond market this year, where you see both of those markets down significantly um, in the last couple of weeks. And then also obviously for the year um, so far. How do you feel about the overall market looking forward? And um, what are some of the headwinds that you're definitely keeping on your radar? And where do you feel that, you know, the Fed funds really ends up? You know, a lot of people are kind of battling this, this talk. Of course, 
the focus word, and I've been throwing it out there, is everyone just waiting to hear the word pivot, right? Yeah, the, the, the Fed pivot, right? And, and what kind of landing are we going to have? Is it a hard landing, a soft landing without the landing gear, with the landing gear on and the water? What kind of landing is it, right? Yeah, um, I, I prefer so, the, the landing of planes. It sometimes, you know, is automatically <laughs> done, but yeah, yeah know, right? it's a tough landing. Um, I, what, what I think is instructive, instead of trying to time the market bottom and figure out when the Fed pivot is going to happen and all those things, I think it's just instructive to look back at history. Um, and when you look at history, what you see really clearly um, is that when inflation has been high, the Federal Reserve has had to raise interest rates above the core inflation level to get inflation down. And that sort of makes sense intuitively. Um, when the Fed raises interest rates, that slows down the economy. It causes businesses to expand less. They hire less workers. Maybe they need to lay some people off. Um, and so that's how you make progress against that 11 million uh, job number that's out there and, and sort of um, get the labor market back in balance. And, and so the Fed has raised rates, um, but because inflation is still um, running really high, we think the Fed's going to have to raise rates north of, of 5% in order to uh, get to a place where inflation is really um, stamped out. And so the, the market currently, um, inflation expectations um, and um, expectations for the, the Fed, sort of the level at which the Fed will stop raising rates have increased over the last couple of weeks. Um, but there's still four and a half to four and three quarters percent when you look out at the middle of next year. Uh, we think those rates have to go closer to, to five or just over five. And so we're probably not quite at that level yet where, um, you know, we think the Fed's is is ready to stop raising rates. And we don't think investors have priced enough rate increases in yet um, for us to make that pivot uh, to, to something that is better going forward. Excellent. Now let's wrap it up with a great question. I think it's important. You know, we had a lot of kind of retail investors join us in 2020. A lot of them probably have been struggling in these types of markets. What's one of the tips that you could give new investors really trying to determine how to really get started on their retirement? What is yeah. a great tip for them? Yeah. So I would just say number one is you've got to have a really good investment plan. Every good investor, whether that's uh, big endowment funds that you hear about or Warren Buffett or pick whoever your favorite really um, solid investor as the reason that they're really good is because they have a really good investment plan. They're not just investing based on uh, what they feel today or tomorrow um, or to earn as much money as they can. They work through a plan. They figure out how much they need to earn, how long they have to earn that, and then how they can they can compound returns over time to achieve that. And so if you're new to investing, what I would say is make a plan and then stick to that plan over the long term. That's what's going to give you the highest uh, percentage chance of being a successful investor um, as opposed to trying to figure out, you know, today, tomorrow, where the, where the market's going. Excellent. Thank you for joining me today, Brian C., CFA and founding partner at the Capital Stewards. And I think it's a great tip you gave right there. You know, one of the things is, First, figure out how you really want to invest before you really are, are trying to make calls into the market. So I appreciate you coming on today, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Mitch. Have a great one. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We got about six minutes left. So what I want to do here is there's still one more headline that I want to cover, and then we'll do a little bit of ticker time. I'll leave you guys some stocks that you guys want to mention. I did see NNDM thrown out there, Ron Wild. I got you in a second. Let's just go ahead and get to the last headline and we'll continue and wrap up the show. Now, the next headline that I wanted to get into was we did get another upgrade here. Uh, this was on Chegg. So let's go to Chegg here as we're seeing a little bit of a lift there in Chegg. This one was a strange one to me as I don't expect to see the business get too better. But I mean, this one really got hurt in the pandemic, tried to get a bounce there. And I mean, take a look at where it's at. It's below the pandemic numbers is Chegg here. It's down towards 2026. Let's talk about what rating they got here. And so uh, they did get a rating here and by Needham. And so upgrading Chegg to a buy rating from a hold. The firm has a $28 price target on Chegg shares. So keep this one on watch. I mean, I feel like they're, you know, they're just trying to call it back above the 200 day moving average. So maybe this one is beaten down enough to get some lift. I just don't see how the catalyst come into play and really kind of push Chegg. But of course, this has uh, a lot to do with education probably coming on back here. Um, we probably saw some good sales numbers from college books. We'll see what happens there in Chegg. It's not really my kind of stock, but I mean, need him stepping up there to a buy rating from hold. 
AMC also getting some news out there. And it looks like the shares of the movie theater giant are slumping after news that the AMC would likely sell up to 425 million units of Ape. So you guys are seeing AMC down to $7.21 after, you know, this was one of the stocks that, you know, a lot of people were trying to continue the fight that it could get back up there. It got back to its close towards 30, but really couldn't get and continue to hold. Wasn't making that move to 50. Now down to $7. And of course, uh, some people are upset as they're seeing what AMC used kind of the uh, financial engineering that they did with eight units and coming in here saying that they'd likely sell up to 425 million units of eight to its preferred of course, that's going to help the company in the long run and hurt it in the short run here as you're seeing it come down there towards 722. We'll see what happens there in AMC. All right, let's catch the chat here. Last couple comments there. If you guys got tickers, check it on out. Cash on hand, double the market there in NMDM. Uh, let me just take a quick look at how NMDM compares to its peers. It looks like uh, I'm seeing gross margins of 32%. I'm trying to look for a forward PE. I don't really have one there. I have a price to sales at 21. Um, so let's go to NNBM. Of course, this is Nano Dimensions, of course, kind of the 3D type of stock here. I've been looking for this to come back, of course. Uh, it's just been battling and battling here, trying to make its way back. I thought over here we potentially could have come back here, and I'll show you guys the chart. I'm sorry about not having it up there. But I was looking at a time over here in January, February, March. It looked like it was trying to come back, and then it came right back down here. So it's trying to take out those lows there in the $2 range. I think this is one that you just got to keep on waiting for the monthly really to kind of change the trend. Right now, we haven't really gotten kind of like two green candles coming back up. Until that really happens, it could just be sideways action here in NNDM. And so I would be waiting for a big move on up in the monthly showing me that the trend has changed and it's no longer just heading straight down. And so right now that's a move back above three right now, until it gets back towards three, I'd be kind of leaving this one on the side. Is it one that maybe you could be looking for in the long run, Ron? And you're thinking, okay, long-term investment, five years, six years outlook. I could see this coming back. They have enough cash on hand to stick around. And that's why your comment here on cash on hand makes sense. I understand that. That's going to be helping them survive. The big thing is how long will it take for them to get that swing back up? And I think it's something that you make your own investment decision, but not a bad stock to have an outlook for potential growth. The question is, when will it show up in the bottom line? All right, keep on going here. What's another one being mentioned here? Daniel talking about rum. Rum was one that I actually caught on in uh, Times Square as they were doing their presentation. We'll see if this can actually come back on up. Uh, it's trying to hold on to kind of this 12 pullback and get back up above the 13. Today, that's what I said look for. And you got a quick spike up there towards the 13, but it couldn't hold it. It went to 12.97 and just turned back around. We need to see a close above 13s to really show us that it wants to come back towards the 15s and 17 spike that it had on Monday, the 19th, where you had a high there of 17.23. We'll see if we get back there in rum. Do my magic in snow. Let's see what they got. See what it has there. Snow is going to be the last stock of the day coming back down there and just showing some weakness. Now, one thing I could clearly see is that snow looks like it's starting to try to break here. So I'm going to actually just delete all my lines here and kind of draw up a trend line that I'm starting to see break. This is that I can see clearly, right? We're going to draw it from the, the lowest point, right? We're going to draw it on up here and we're going to use kind of some of these points to start seeing, okay, are we starting to break right back down? And where's the sign of concern, right? And so I could maybe call this kind of like that inverse head and shoulders pattern right here. And you could see this, I'm going to put it in a square, right? And so it actually eventually broke through the neckline, the neckline being above here. And then we started getting up towards that 200. We, hang, we hung out around that 200. Now we don't want to see it break back into the 150s. 
150s could get it really right back here towards those 130s. So let's see if it can catch this trend, get right back on up there, back above the 200-day or the 50-day moving average, which is at 167.95. So 168 is what you're looking for in the next couple of days so it can revert back up. We'll see what happens on snow. Will it crack through that 150 and head towards that 130? Of course, this gave it a little bit of a boost, but it's going to need another pattern to really catch it there on snow. All right, that's going to do it for me. Um, why is the market down, crypto up? That is truly interesting. I'm going to pay attention to that on the long run to see if crypto can catch up. But it's an important thing to watch, Mad Money. I don't know who Mad Money is on out there. I don't know if Kramer's watching the show. But one thing I will tell you is keep on watch that because it's definitely an important thing. Will we get some separation in the correlation between the overall markets and Bitcoin that's going to overall, I think, going to be a good thing in the long run if those can separate on their correlation. It looks like it's happening today. That's what we call a negative divergence in price. So let's see in the long run, does that negative divergence continue to show? And then we could end up looking for if crypto's going down, the market's going up. If the market's going down, crypto's going up. That would be what happens when it separates on that correlation. We'll see what happens. That's going to do it to me for me today. I hope that you guys enjoyed today's show, Stock Market Movers. We talked a lot about a lot of the things and topics that are out there right now, the Fed talk, oil dipping, sterling, and the concerns that are out there for currency. Apple with some news today, Amazon, Las Vegas Sands and Wind Resorts, Light Auto, Lyft, Planet Fitness. What's next for Europe? Of course, thank you to Ann Barry for joining me today. And of course, we talked about active and passive index fund with Brian C, CFA founding partner at the Capital Stewards. I hope you guys had a great show today and I'll see you next time right here on Stock Market Movers until 3.30 where I see you guys on At The Close. Um, I won't have Joel Alcon in there, but it'll just be myself. We'll go over through the markets. So if you guys have got some tickers to watch, come on over to 3.30 at the close, and we'll see what happens if we're able to hold on in the market. Right now, we're looking at 3.64, getting a little bit of a bounce near that 3.63. We'll see what happens near the close. I'll see you next time. Smash the like.